and another 40 days he ascends up to the right hand of the Father. That's the good news. That's the gospel. You say, what's the gospel? It's just the story of Jesus. That's what the gospel is. That's what the word actually means. And so he said, hey, I'm Paul. I'm an apostle. Not by any man's thing, but Jesus made me an apostle. You remember Jesus? Remember him who died for your sins and rose from the Remember him? He said, I can't believe you turned your back on that already. I just left. And you already turned your back on that most basic of all truths. I marvel, verse 6, you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. You say, well, uh, people in Galatians say, well, we got, we got another gospel. Right? A little different from yours, Paul, but we got another one. That's all you do. Here's what I think about that. Seven, which is not another. <laughs> it's not another one. It's you didn't suddenly have two gospels. Here's Jesus Christ coming into the world to save our sins. And now you got something that's also the gospel. He says, no, it's not. But there'd be some that trouble you that would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now he's getting down to the real problem. There are people who came, people who came to make trouble. They're going to make trouble. All right? People came, you know, they made trouble. So it's not the people in the churches of Galatia, but somebody after Paul left came into these churches and said, we're, we're here to help you. And Paul's a nice guy. You know, he's a nice guy. But he's not quite got it all together. And so we're going to help you get it together. All right, now Paul says, uh, I'm after these people. They actually perverted the gospel. Let me tell you just how strong he is. Verse 8. But though we... At Paul, or an angel from heaven, so an angel comes down, preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached in you, let him be accursed. Accursed, which in uh, the Greek is called anathema. Anathema. And to say accursed isn't quite strong enough. Here's what anathema means. He says, if somebody comes and they're preaching to you something that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is he died for our sins and rose from death, somebody preaches something different to you, here's what he should be. Damned to hell. That's what anathema means. Let him be damned to hell. It ain't just a curse. It's a lot stronger. He says, let him be anathema or let him be damned to hell. Whoa, I guess you better get the right thing, huh? Uh, And he says here, verse 9, As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach another gospel unto you than you have received, let him be anathema, damned to hell. So, those guys, he's got them in his sight, and he's pulling the trigger, and he's blowing them to pieces. 
And these are the guys who snuck in behind Paul to do something. All right, verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? If I have pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. When you're standing in a pulpit, your first job, and you're really your only job is to please God. And if somebody doesn't like it, too bad. Too bad. If you're pleasing God, and you know that you're doing what God wants you to do, and if somebody doesn't like it, it's too bad. He said, I didn't come to please men. I preached what I preached to you because I'm trying to please God and I don't seek to please men. I'm not in that business, all right? And so, verse 11, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man. I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so, he said, when I came and I preached this message to you, Jesus Christ died for us and rose from the dead, and Jesus Christ poured into us grace, and his unmerited favor was given to us because of that. And he said, that was my gospel, and I didn't get it from a man. It is not from a man. Huh. Here's what these guys, these troublemakers, were saying. He said, look, who's Paul? Well, he founded our church. Yeah, I know, but do you know he never talked to any of the 12 disciples? How can you be an apostle and never talk to the 12 disciples who spent three and a half years with Jesus? So... He's a nice guy, and he's trying hard, we know, but he, uh, he doesn't quite have the whole message because he never got together with the apostles. And so how's he supposed to know? How can you expect Paul to know what he's supposed to teach us if he never talked to the main 12 men who spent three and a half years with Jesus? So he's kind of he's kind of left out some things, and we're here to fill in the blanks. See, Paul just didn't quite make it. He didn't quite finish his education, and so we're coming behind, and we're not saying what he said was wrong, but he left some things out that are really important. So we're going to help you and give you these things that were left out. And poor Paul, you know, he's okay, but he just never quite caught up with what was going on. Now Paul says, this gospel that I know, not one man told me about it. That's what they accused him, right? But they accused him. He said, you never talked to anybody. Come on. He said, nobody told me about it. I didn't get this story from a man. All right, let's see exactly what happened. Turn back to Acts chapter 8.
Now, now I'm going to read Galatians 1.13 and then we're going to look at Acts 8. For you have heard of my conversion in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my father. So he said, I was born a Jew. I was educated under the finest Jewish teacher that there was. And I became his number one student. And he tells us this in other places. So I became the number one student. And matter of fact, I went beyond what everybody else did. And I became an expert. So you understand the Apostle Paul, he's a Pharisee, trained as a Pharisee. That means he knows the book of Psalms by heart. Anybody, anybody up with that yet? You know any Psalm by heart. I'm 23, maybe, you know, by heart. Not many. <laughs> this guy knew them all. So you think, well, huh, that's pretty impressive. That's nothing. Those were songs. He probably sang them ever since he was a little kid. It's like me. I know the hymn book because I sang them since I was a kid. He did the same thing. Right? But he probably memorized Genesis and Exodus, certainly Leviticus, in numbers and probably Deuteronomy by heart. Alright? Hey, how you doing with that? <laughs> I know in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and then I'm starting to slow down a little. Alright? He would just go on and go on and go on and go. This man is amazing. And he said I was far beyond my peers. And what I decided to do was defend my ancient religion and it needed defending against these new people that came along and we all made fun of them and we called them these new people we called the Christ ones who's the new people? Eh, the Christ ones or actually in the right term they're Christians that's what they were called in the beginning. These people who follow Christ, they're Christ ones, they're Christians. That was a word made up to make fun of people who believe in Jesus. I guess we kind of overcame that, didn't we? <laughs> yes, we did. All right, and so uh, he said, I said, I'm going to get rid of those people. And so here in Acts chapter 8, Verse 1, Saul was consenting unto his death. At that time there was a great persecution against the church that was at Jerusalem. They were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. And so they persecuted the church in Jerusalem until they had to leave town. And they did that. Some of them they killed. Uh, most of them they starved out. They blackballed their households and they couldn't eat and so they had to leave. All right. Two, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial, made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he wrecked, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and hailing men and women and committing them to prison. So he's really going out to destroy the Christians, the Christ ones. 
He's putting them in prison. And verse, chapter 9 now, And Saul, yet breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. So now he's leading the revolt. Desired of him letters to Damascus and synagogues. He found any of this way Christians, whether they were men and women, he'd bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he gets warrants for the arrest of any Christian. I want a warrant. I want an open warrant. I'm going to find them all. I'm going over to Damascus, which is across the border. So they don't get spread all around. I'm going to drag them back here in chains. And it says he breathed out threatening and slaughter. He's not a nice guy. You're going to get them. And we know what happened, verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? All right, so... He's hating Christians. He's going to kill them. He's breathing out their slaughter. And then he gets knocked in the dirt. And he goes blind. And he's rolling around in the dirt. And he says, why are you persecuting me? Says the voice from heaven. He said, I don't know who you are. So I'm Jesus. One you're persecuting. And he thinks to himself, uh-oh. <laughs> then he grew up way beyond most Christians in a half a second. In a half a second, he became more mature than most Christians ever will be. He said, if you're Jesus, you just knocked me in the dirt and made me a blind man. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I love it. First words out of his mouth. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. You got it right when you say to Jesus, hey, tell me what to do. All right. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to the city, and shall be told thee what thou must do. So he arises, goes to the city. He's told to go to the house of Ananias. And Ananias says, Don't bring him here. He's a murderer. God said, Just Tell him what I want you to tell him. Verse 13, Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard much of this man, how much evil he's done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he's got authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. And the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he has chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So now he knows that he is chosen. He's called. All right? So they said, how did you get to be an apostle? Was it because of men? No, I was called by God. Now how important is that? Are people today called by God? Yeah, certainly people are called by God. Are there people in the ministry who are not called by God? Well, you all know the answer to that one, don't you? 
Yes, certainly there are. And sometimes people try real hard. I've seen young preachers, they go to high school, go right to college for four years, and then they're going to be a minister. Never worked a day in their life. And they walk in some church, I'm here to be your minister. Heaven help us. Heaven help us. You don't know how to work. Hey, you want to be a minister, you better be able to work and work hard. There's work to be done. It's a tremendous amount of effort is going to be required if you're called to do that. All right? And these poor young fellows are told, hey, you got the calling on you. You passed your exams. I remember a preacher said to me once, you know, you got to answer these questions. And he gave me the questions. I didn't bother answering them. I didn't need to answer them questions. And <laughs> the call of God is something that comes to some people. And Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. A lot of people are called of God. Occasionally, he says, I really going to choose that one there. And when he saw Paul walking down the road, breathing out, threatening and slaughter, he said, I want him. <laughs> I'll take him. What do you want him for? Seems like he's the worst choice. I choose him. I call him. All right, and so he's called strictly by God. And there on the road to Damascus, that's exactly what happened. He says, he's, he's laying in the dirt blind. And he said, what do you want me to do? That's what you have to say. If you're going to get the call, what do you want me to do? And so people are sometimes called, not called. Many, many years ago, I had a good friend of mine, an old pastor friend. And he had two young fellows. One was mean, another was another guy. And he was w talking to both of us about the ministry, about what we should do. And I met regularly with him once a week for several years until he finally lost his mind. Uh, but he was doing good. And he said to me one day, that other guy I talked to, I've got to get him over here to listen to you. <laughs> He said, you got to get right, and he's not doing so good. He may not be called. He took two churches, and when he finished with both of them, they were almost closed. He took them and almost closed both of them. Uh, it just wasn't meant to be. He made very unwise decisions and uh, made enemies out of people who shouldn't have been his enemy. He wasn't really called. And sometimes people are not called, all right, to be that. Now, Paul says, I was called. Jesus called me. Jesus said, here you go. I pick him. And he said, so I wasn't made an apostle by anybody like Peter or John or James. They didn't come over. Hey, I think you should be one of us. It was God himself. Jesus actually spoke to me and said, I'm choosing you. And so these people who came along and said, hey, that Paul never talked to the apostles. How can you expect him to know anything? He said, I was chosen by Jesus. I guess that is okay, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's real good. I think that's real good. Now listen to what he says. 
Verse 15 now, back in Galatians 1. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. All right, so he said, God chose me before I was born. And the minute I was conceived in my mother's womb, he said, that one's mine. I'm taking that one. That one's mine. And that's entirely possible because you read it all through the Bible. Now you got Isaiah. What does he say? When I was formed in my mother's womb, God chose me. And Jeremiah says exactly the same thing. I wasn't even born yet, and God chose me. John the Baptist, right? He's not born yet, and God chose him. And now Paul, before he's born, God chose him. And what are these people saying? He's not an apostle. They're treading on some thin ice. So here's the real question is, how did he get to know all the truth that he knew? Here it is. Back now, let's take a look. Verse 16. To reveal his son in me, I might preach him among the heathen. Or he said, I was, had revealed to me Jesus Christ. And that's really amazing if we think about that. And you've read it hundreds of times, I would think. You've certainly heard it hundreds of times where we use it in every communion service. All right? And Paul says, for I have delivered unto you that's what was delivered unto me. I'll tell you what happened at the Last Supper. So how can you tell, Paul, you weren't there? Because Jesus was, and he told me, here's how it went. I'm going to explain to you what happened at the Last Supper. Paul, where were you? He was in high school somewhere when all that happened. All right? And now God says, here's exactly how it happened. I'll tell you exactly what was said. And he writes it down. I have received from the Lord that which I delivered unto you. Now, here's how it all happened. Verse 16 Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them that were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia, returned again unto Damascus. And after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. That's pretty amazing. What he said was, here's what happened. Jesus knocked me down in the dirt. I'm a blind man. They're leading me around by the hand. They take me into Damascus. An old fellow, Ananias, just a plain old guy. said, I got a message for you from God. You're meant to suffer, and you're called to this, so you're going to preach to the Gentiles. And that's what he was doing in Galatia, preaching to the Gentiles. Now he's crossed over into Greece to preach to the Gentiles. But how did he know? He said, I spent three years in Arabia. Where's that? Well, Sunday we talked about Arabia. Elijah, running from Jezebel, went south. For 40 days he traveled south. And now he's in the middle of what we call the Arabian Desert. All right, so when you come out of Egypt, Cross the Red Sea, you're in the desert. 
You go out a little bit, and that's the Arabian Desert. Not much there. Hardly anything there. Moses leads the children of Israel into the Arabian Desert. Nothing there. Paul said, I spent three years in Arabian Desert by myself talking to God. I think I got the right information. What did he do? Talking to God. What's God telling him? He said, all right, let's start in Genesis. You know that by heart, right? Let me tell you what happened. Jesus Christ was the moving power of creation. And Paul will write in Hebrews later, Jesus Christ, who created all things. And Paul's the one that tells us that Jesus was the moving force in creation. Why? Because God told him in Arabia. And God said, you know, you, all those things you did in the Old Testament, and all those things that you're worried about, uh, all the sacrifices, all the holy days, here's what they really mean. And he explained the shedding of blood and the remission of sins, and he explained it all to Paul. And so he had a full education, but he didn't know the gospel. Jesus Christ came and made all those wonderful things happen. And so he said, once I learned that, well, then I knew that was better than the whole rest of everything. Now, these fellows who come around and they're trying to destroy my reputation, he said, they're telling you that Jesus is okay, or you can believe in Jesus, but we got to add a couple things to it. There's Jewish holy days. Gotta make sure you keep all of them. You can't just forget those. They've been doing them for years. You keep all of those. And uh, there are certain uh, feasts that you need to keep. And there are things like circumcision. Circumcision, you got to do that. You can't just forget about that. Paul says, yeah, you don't need that. You're Gentile. How can you do? We've been doing it for thousands of years. Can't throw it out. So you got to have this. You got to be circumcised. You got to keep holy days. You got to do what we Jews have been doing for thousands of years. So Paul nice to hear about Jesus, but we're here to make sure you get it right and not leave out the stuff that we've all known forever. Mm -hmm. And Paul says, that's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ, he came and he died for our sins and he's going to pour out forgiveness to anybody that asks him, what do you got to do? You just got to ask. You've got to believe and have faith in your heart. And when you have faith in your heart in Christ, then it's true and it happens and God pours out to us. And then what does he give us? Resurrection power. You've got the power to extend into our lives eternal life, to raise us from a future dead into a new body. He's telling us all these things about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they said, no, 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 no. You can't forget this other stuff. Paul says, if you preach it that way, here's my message for you. Let you be damned to hell.
Whoa, you better not do that. He means business. He means big business. And he says, I learned it by wandering three years in the desert alone with God. So when they say, I didn't meet with any apostle, well, I did meet with one, he says, in 18, after three years, and he got it all figured out. I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter, stayed with him for 15 days. Of the other apostles, I saw none save James, the Lord's brother. Now, the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards, I came to the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. Right, so they didn't even know me back in Jerusalem. You know what I looked like. And so he says, now my point is that I am come to you because somebody is trying to teach you the wrong things. And I'm here to fix that. Now Martin Luther absolutely loved the book of Galatians because he was living through the same thing. The Catholic Church in the year 1400 and 1500, when Martin Luther was alive and working, uh, were telling people, look, you need your sins forgiven, you just give us a little money, we'll take care of it. It's called an indulgence. You pay your indulgence. Well, you did something wrong. Just give us the money. We'll take care of it for you. And that means the gospel, which was Christ died for our sins, was gone. They got rid of it. Now you can just pay money and you can be uh, forgiven. And old Martin Luther said, that ain't right. That's not the gospel. And he started reading Galatians. He said, yeah, that's just like me. They hate me. I came out and I said, you're wrong. And he posted on the door 95 theses and said, here, let's discuss this. Let's get down to the basic truth. Let's find out what the truth is. And they said, nah. And they condemned him to die. They get rid of you. Condemn you to die. And Paul loved Galatians because it's the same thing happened to him. All right, they came into him and said, here, here's what you're going to do. And you think that happened today? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah we were here I don't know maybe a year and things were going along pretty good and uh, this guy came in he came one Sunday and after church said enjoyed the service next week he came he said I really liked your service he said and, but he hang around he waited until everybody was gone and then he said, I got to talk to you, can I? Yeah, sure, you can talk to me. He said, I want to bring some people with me to church next Sunday. And he says, if you'll preach what I tell you to preach, I'll bring 20 people next week. I'll start with that. He said, I'll bring 20 people with me. I said, you can take your 20 people and go somewhere else. Don't come here and tell me you're going to teach, tell me what to preach. Just like they did. All right. I said, goodbye. See ya. I hope you don't come back. 
I don't want you. You're not going to tell me what. I go to God when I want to know what to preach. I don't come to you. That'll be the day I ever do. All right? And so that's the thing that happens. Somebody comes in and says, look, tell it my way. You know, if you just do a few things the way I like it, then it'll be good. All right? And so it can be very much the same kind of thing that we're left with now. All right, and so what do we do? All right, well, we've got to make sure people are called. And that comes pretty clear after a while that people are called or not called. You know, I heard of another church where a guy, pastor, got up and he said, all right, let's pray. And when he finished and he said, in Allah's name, amen. Man, if I was there, you would have heard the door slam before he said amen. He prayed in Allah's name. Are you kidding me? All right. And so he said, no other gospel. You preach something different, anathema, damn you to hell. He means business. Boy, he's on the track. He is not going to allow this to continue. And when they have attacked him and called him insufficient, the greatest mind that the New Testament produced one of the greatest minds of all time. Yeah, he's just, he just don't have it together. All right, he never even talked to the apostles. No, I was talking to God. That's good enough. <laughs> That's plenty good enough, I was talking to God. I persecuted the church, and God stopped me and turned me around. All right, and that's what he says, verse 23. They had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which he once destroyed, and they glorified God in me. They were thankful to God that I was preaching the truth. And so I went to Peter, we talked it over, I talked to James, and they said, keep going, you're doing good, and off you go. So he was said, I'm called not by a man, but by Jesus Christ. And so you're going to have to deal with that. He said, and there's people with me now. I have brethren with me, friends with me. They're working with me. They're all in agreement with me. We're setting up churches in Greece. And he said, that's what I came to do. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel of Jesus Christ as he came to the world and died for our sins and rose from the dead. And he has the ability to forgive us and to do it in a way where it won't cost you a thing. Just your life, okay? <laughs> when it doesn't cost you, he'll be freely giving us grace. And they said, no, 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 no. We got to keep the rules. We got to still worry about the sacrifices and, and the priests. We got to worry about all those. He said, no, we don't. We've stepped across now. And so what is said of Jesus, uh, he said in, where are we here? Uh, Matthew. I get way beyond my notes, so I have to look back. Um, in Matthew, well, I think it's chapter 5. In the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, 
Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. So they said, we got to do all that old stuff. He said, I didn't come to destroy that. He said, but I came to finish it because it was left undone. We followed all the rules. We got circumcised as babies. And we made our sacrifices. And we went to the temple and we kept the holy days. And a Sabbath day in particular was a big deal. And we kept all that stuff. And he said, yeah, and it didn't quite get you where you wanted to go. Because the old law was written so that you knew what sin was. And you would feel guilty. Thou shalt not have other gods. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not commit adultery. He said, all that said is you better not do this and it's going to give you a guilty conscience when you break the law. I'm here to wipe out guilty conscience. Finally finish it. I'm going to finally clean it all up and finish it. And so I didn't come to take all that away. I came to complete the story. And the completion of the Old Testament is what? Jesus Christ in the New Testament. He came, died, rose again. That's where the whole message of the entire Bible, all the light of Scripture, shines on the head of Jesus. And when somebody says, well, we're only going to look at these books or that book, everything. Jesus is the main character from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. He's the main character. And we get him focused on what he did, and that's what we need to do. So it's very important that we get that. And he's going to now go on in Galatians and begin to say to us, all right, now here's where we went wrong. And let's get it right. And here's how it's going to be when you get it right. Here's what Jesus brought to fulfill, to make religion the way he wanted it to be. It wasn't quite there, but he came and made the rest of it happen. So we'll go on next week out of Galatians chapter 2 and see how far we get. Thank you.